0: Hello and welcome to the Arsenal way back again with you guys for another show and another episode of our behind enemy line series our show are joined by a member of the press from the opposition who dare step foot in our midst ahead of the next fixture as Arsenal face Manchester City are very happy to be joined by Manchester City's fan
1: brand editor Tom Farrell how you doing mate are you well are you good um yes mate yeah Good, happy to be here. Um, I was just checking I wasn't on mute then, which That's was uh, the reason. The the, um, the 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 really sort of long delay to a very very uh, normal question. We yeah, am good. Um, looking forward to the game tomorrow. Um, would rather not have a half talk kick of New Year's Day, but I suppose someone's got to take their medicine, mm. haven't they?
0: Yeah, yeah. It's uh I was saying this morning on our, our morning show with Hush how hungover the crowd might be uh going into the game. But uh no, it's expected to be an electric atmosphere to be fair in the Emirates with momentum very much with with Arsenal. And I mean, how are you feeling in regards to facing what has been described as
1: supposedly the best Arsenal side for the last four or five years? Yeah, I know we're gonna get onto that. Um yeah, it's um obviously City's record at the, at the Emirates recently has been really good and they're on good form, but It does come at a time when there's been a lot of games in a short space of time. The Brentford game was a little bit of a slog. Um, I I know City have come out of this sort of busy fixture period, COVID cases period, better than a lot of teams, particularly uh, Liverpool and Chelsea, probably more significantly. But um, yeah, there's a couple of key absentees and a couple of questions over certain players. And I think it's safe to say it's one of those games where you would want your best eleven. And he mm. probably won't have that tomorrow. So um, yeah, it's, it's going to be a tough test. And obviously, um, we denied the latest Guardiola Arteta reunion because um, obviously, Mikel's got to stay away from the game. But um, yeah, I think it should be a good one.
0: Yeah, I'm looking. I mean, I'm looking forward to it in the sense that. I mean, Man City have never really been able to, or been able, or needed to rather, get out of kind of second gear against Arsenal in kind of the last few times, obviously the big 5-0 win at the Etihad earlier in the season, but it's a very different Arsenal team to the one that that travelled there. I mean, the back five that played involved Kolasinac, Callum Chambers, Cedric, Leno was in goal. And since then, Mikel Arteta's has kind of been able to add plenty of of different quality and, and players into the team. I mean, from an outside perspective, kind of how have you viewed Mikel Arteta's tenure this season after that five nil defeat at the Etihad?
1: Yeah, I think I think the key thing is that you some of those players you name check there, there was and obviously Shaka got sent off for uh, mm. one one of the strangest red cards I've ever I've ever seen in a stadium. That normally sort of the crowd are baying for giving it off, off, off to the. Um, to the opposition player, but when he did that, the sort of reaction was, Oh, will be getting sent off there. Mm. A silly man, uh, mm. so, um, yeah, so because it so yeah. just just seemed like the most granite shack thing to happen, but and I know Shakra's come back, and um, you know, he's I mean, he he's kind of <clears throat> a bit of a chalk and cheese figure with us fans, but yeah, that lineup overall did feel, particularly in the defense, like Mikel Arteta still managing on Emory's team. Um, I think there's no yeah, you know, say with you mentioned with Leno and obviously Ramsdale's come and played really well. Um I don't think there's any doubt now that this is Arteta's Arsenal team and it, it looks all the better for that. Um I've been impressed by the job he's done. Um I suppose the concern from an Arsenal point of view is when these games, if the big teams come around, is it is this gonna be another sort of another Anfield again? Which which again yeah. is fine because City and Liverpool and Chelsea are further down the road than Arsenal at the moment, but it's whether it's whether there's going to be that sort of two steps forward, one step back kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I, I think it it definitely does look like look like it's Arteta's team, and he's got people pulling in the right, they or everyone pulling in the right direction. Even that's that's at the expense of Pierre Emerick so, Aubameyang, and so be it. Um, there was one strange performance recently that I mean, I, re- I watched your game at Everton, which was like yeah. bizarrely listless from everybody, and it was a weird atmosphere because the Everton fans sort of went into protest against their manager and then they weren't doing too badly, but they weren't doing too well. It just—it was a weird drifting game. And it's like, if Arsenal throw in a performance like that tomorrow against this City team, they're in a whole world of trouble. But yeah, I think there's a greater body of evidence over recent weeks that suggests that they'll probably equip themselves quite well.
0: In regards to City's own preparation for the game, well, Arsenal didn't have a game in midweek because ours was postponed against Wolves. Yourselves beat Brentford 1-0 and didn't make a single substitute in the entire game, which I think probably gives a bit of a hint how how Pep's probably going to look to set up. I mean, the players that remained on the bench, you got Raheem Sterling, Gundogan, Zinchenko, Mares. Do you think those four are all in line to start
1: this game? Um, almost certainly, yeah. Um, I, th- I think, um, obviously, in terms of the attack, City have done really well in terms of injuries and COVID and all that, so it's all pretty much been a clean bill of health. Um, mm. And I think it's it, it's a it's a situation whereby, um, you've got to give you, you you've got to, kind of got to give all those big name players a game. But I'd, I would expect Sterling and Mara to start. And um, obviously they they combined for the winning goal in this fixture last season. Um, yeah. Zinchenko, I mean, there's. We'll move on to talk a little bit about the Giao Cancelo situation, but is it be ready to go? Also, Gundogan, I get Gundogan is massively, massively important to how the City team play now, particularly since David Silva's gone in terms of someone to control the tempo, play the extra pass. And I think there has been an element of he's had a few niggles this year, so it's been a, a case of managing him here and there. And I think the call was made that he was probably more needed against Arsenal in sort of more probably more of a back and forth football game than than the game against Brentford that was going to be played a lot more. In transitions, and you wanted to get sort of legs around Fernandinho mm. a little bit. But um, yeah, Guardiola's funny with the substitutions. I know he's banging the drum for five subs, so then every time he doesn't make a sub, um, everyone <laughs> hilarious hilarious. <and>
0: Twitter
1: yeah. <laughs> loses his head. But he's, um, I think he's making a wider point on player welfare there. In terms of how he uses his own substitutions, he generally does. If he uses substitutions, it generally means something's gone wrong or he spotted something that needs fixing quickly. If the rhythm of the game is going as he'd want, he really yeah. doesn't like to throw that sort of random element of a substitute coming on, because uh, obviously you would never call Guardiola a defensive coach. But when a game's at one nil like it was at Brentford, he's yeah. if he's a choice between making a sub to make it two nil or risking it being one one, he's always going to lean towards the latter and just like try and play it out. So um, yeah, I don't I, I don't think his stance on five subs and him often never making them. Is as contradictory as some people think because whether it was five, seven, nine subs, he probably wouldn't have made any at Brantford.
0: True. Yeah, I mean the ones that the, the front three that started, Foden, Grealish and Jesus, with Mares and Sterling, we expect to probably be the players that come in. Either one of those three that started in the front three have played in a central role at City. Mm-hmm. Which one do you think will keep their place? Or do you think maybe De Bruyne will be pushed further forward again?
1: Um well, yeah, I, I think it's it's out though, So I think of the three that started, and not, not just he scored the winning goal, mm. I think Foden is more likely. Um, Grealish has played in the False Nine. I think Foden has got a greater aptitude for it at the moment. I think that's just because he's grown up playing Guardiola mm. football. Um, Jesus has had a, a sort of a real sort of comeback season in some respects of like sort of re- reinvented as a, as a right winger, and he's been playing well there, but. His goals—he hasn't—he hasn't scored in the Premier League now, I don't think, since we won at Chelsea in September. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And as much as goals isn't his main role anymore, you've got to be weighing in a little bit more in a team that shares the goals around the attack. Riyad Maris is still his top scorer of the season, so that's creating a little bit of a problem for Gabriel in terms of being first choice for big games like this. Um, yeah, I mean that—that is the big question of whether, whether Foden starts up front. And Foden, he doesn't when there's. Midweek and weekends, Foden isn't one of those. Guardiola has a list of players that he includes Sterling in, people like Cancelo, who he always backs to recover really quickly. Foden doesn't often go Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, so that'll be interesting because mm-hmm. the the Rodri, Bernardo and um, Gundy and midfield three has just been incredible this season. As sort of keep, keeps it really stable in big games. Rodri might not be available. So, yeah, that, that, that is the question of whether De Bruyne plays as the false nine or whether he plays in the midfield. Um, yeah. It, it's, it really is a toss of a coin, to be honest. I think I think he's going to want to keep De Bruyne in the team at the moment because of the form he's been on. Um, I think I'd lean towards it. will be De Bruyne and Bernardo sort of alternating that false nine and Gundy and come back to the midfield and Foden goes back to the bench. But at the same time, Foden starting wouldn't surprise me.
0: So you mentioned there, Dom, that Rodri looks like he's probably going to be out in terms of if there's a question over his fitness. The report suggests that's probably the likelihood he will will miss this game. Out of all the players in the team, where does he kind of rank as the biggest loss uh, for this City side?
1: I think you can make a case that he is the player that he can least afford to lose for big games because I'm not saying he is the most important player, but Mm. for all the others, there are solid alternatives um, within the squad. Um, Fernandinho this season has looked a little bit like he's regressed um, and earlier in, the, earlier in the campaign there was like a fairly big drop off in the games when Fernandinho, Fernandinho came in yeah. having said that um, the last two games Rodri's missed okay there was a crazy period where Leicester scored three on the counter attack in that really balmy Boxing Day game but I think Fernandinho has benefited from he's basically played in the first 11 whereas most of the time this year he's played has been in rotation teams and that's been a factor in him not looking as good. Um, all I said, I think at times Fernandinho does look his age now. You know, he's a club great, but he's 36, 37 before the end of the season. It'll be interesting to see how, if, as we expect, Rodri didn't train yesterday and there were there was some of the players who've been absent, like Kyle Walker did come back to training yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, so assuming Rodri misses out, this is a big test of Fernandinho. And again, it's, it's against an opponent who, you know, Mikel Arteta knows City team inside out. He knows what Fernandinho's good at. He, he knows... It doesn't where. look like it based on the last few results, though, does it? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, well yeah. Look, look, I think, actually, if you take that 5-0 out of the equation, there mm. are a few quite... Both the league games last year were pretty cagey and quite... 1-0 as well, yeah. Yeah. So, um, it will be... Intri- Rodri-, Rodri does feel like a big miss whenever he doesn't play now. Um, but... I'm cautiously optimistic that Fernandinho is looking better in when he's basically the plug-in replacement in the first eleven, rather than when he plays in a team with five or six games that lacks rhythm and stability anyway, and that's not very many favours. Uh,
0: the the other player I mentioned, obviously, was Jacques Cancelo, who was yeah. involved in a, a robbery attempt last night. I don't think it was attempts, attempt. I think, unfortunately, it ended up being successful. Um, and he uh, obviously sustained facial injuries from his Instagram post that he put yeah. up coming from an Arsenal perspective, this isn't the first time that we are aware of this type of thing happening to footballers. Uh, recently, Gabriel was, was also uh, a victim of this. I think uh, fortunately for him, he managed to get away with, with, with barely a scratch on him. Um, and then previous to that, Ozil and Kolasinac were involved in a robbery attempt as well in broad daylight in there. I think they were followed in their car back to, to wherever they were staying. So it's, becoming frustratingly more common, um, but specifically on the Xiao Cancelo incident, how do you think this will affect him? And I know that he has, has suffered with personal tragedy in the past. Is this... How difficult is this going to be to kind of move on from? Um, in such a short space of time as well.
1: Yeah, it's really hard to speculate on. Um, and obviously, mm. saying, it's a situation where the player's welfare, the player's mental state has to be a priority. Um, but I think... I think in these situations, it, it really just depends on the individual. I mean, the the example I call to mind from City, which isn't um, isn't related to a robbery or like some of the crime incidents you mentioned there with the Arsenal team, mm. but um, when in the 2017-18 season, when David Silva's uh, little boy was born extreme preterm and was sort mm. and he was and so the kid was born, I think at about 25, 26 weeks and was sort of in an incubator in hospital with his partner was back home in Valencia. Yeah. And. Was in intensive care for a long time, but pulled through thankfully. Really healthy, healthy baby mm. boy now. But um, he kept on playing through a lot of that period, and was basically just flying to and from Manchester and playing, not training, back and forward. And it was kind of what he uh, what what he wanted to do. And when he was out on the pitch, he wasn't thinking about any of the horrible problems in his private life and his family life. He was yeah. playing football. So. I, I don't think any of us are in a position to say whether João Cancelo should or shouldn't play tomorrow. I mean, it, that's one thing that you know Guardiola. This is a good thing of being a team with a very stable mm. backroom staff and management. That Guardiola and his staff will know Cancelo very well, and they'll be able to make a call. Um, your instinct would be that God, yeah, just sit this one out, and see how you go. But um, it can depend. I, I certainly think he Walker being back fit means there would have been there would be would have been an option to rotate him anyway. At the same time, he is someone who does just seems to play every game. He seems to sort of, you know, have incredible sort of recovery, regeneration, sort of playing, yeah. um, playing three times a week. So they'd have been a candidate start. But yeah, it's um, Walkers and Zinchenko both been fit means that it's not a problem to take him out if he needs it at all. Um, but yeah, I th- it's it's, it's going to be a call for Zhao and Guardiola and all the rest of them to make really. It's not, not one where I, I could really be too sure either way.
0: Yeah, uh, I think it's obviously a situation that, as you said before, we can't really speculate on, but it's it's just worth bringing up and, and mentioning that, honestly, we just hope this sort of things just stops. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous that we're having to cover this and, and it's not exactly the first time either. Um, to round out the show, I was going to say on a more of a positive note, but from an Arsenal perspective, it might not be. Predictions uh, for the game. Dom,
1: what are you going to go for scoreline-wise? Um. No, I do. I am. I am aware of the fact that I predicted a tight game earlier on in the season and it ended up being five nil. But well, don't say that this, again. <laughs> as as, as we said, this is a different Arsenal. Um, but I just think City are on take 10 Premier League wins in a row now. They're on this sort of this rumbling rhythm against the middle in the middle of the successful seasons. So I'm going to go two one to City. Okay. I'm gonna
0: I I said two one Arsenal very optimistically, but I mean if if it was if I was thinking without any optimism or, or heart in the prediction, I probably would have said again a one-two-nil to, to Manchester City. I if you offered me a draw, as most teams would facing Man City at the moment, I'd snap your arm off for it. But to the fact that even from that Man City perspective, to predict such a change of of game and scoreline since maybe the five 0 defeat early in the season, it kind of shows that progression that Arsenal have made in that time. So yeah, but Don, thank you so much, mate, for coming on the show. As always, tell people where they can find you.
1: Yeah, I'm uh, I'm on Dom Farrell 1986 um, on Twitter, um, and we are City is ours, which is our little City corner of the Manchester Evening News website. So you can check out all the Arsenal preview stuff on there.
0: Absolutely, do go give it a read, and of course, all the fallout. If you, I mean, our Arsenal fans, if we lose, may not want to, but uh, I mean, if we win, there might be some uh, fast-taking solace in that. Anyway, a massive thank you again, Don, for coming on the show. Make sure you drop a thank like you, on man. the video, people. You can follow myself at Tom Cancer Media and the Arsenal Way at the Arsenal Way N5 on Twitter. We'll be having more shows and reaction to the game once it's completed on Saturday. Have a fantastic New Year's Day, and we will see you again very, very soon. And as always, keep following us down the Arsenal Way. Polin